Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. We've spent the better part of the show this morning talking about unwanted critters, right? Uh, Woodpecker storing 700 pounds of acorns in someone's wall in California. Weird stuff happens out of California and Florida, too. Uh, Started off talking about the barred owl that took up residence in the Agnes Scott Library for nearly a week, and they kind of had to shut the library down until they finally caught it. A falconer uh, went in there and trapped the barred owl and got it out safely. And speaking of unwanted critters, Dave Baker keeps coming in the studio, and I I don't want him in here. His time will start in an hour, so I I, I like it. I'm just chilling with DeMarco, chilling with Ann. Dave comes in so early, drives in uh, from Conyers. Oh, he's walking back in. I better stop talking about him. But yeah, unwanted critters. I mean, you can still certainly call the show 404-872-0750. Maybe I just lost my invite to someone's Super Bowl party. Uh-oh. I don't know. So speaking of the Super Bowl, don't know if you care about the big game or not. You're rooting for the Chiefs. You're rooting for the Eagles. Don't know. I don't have a dog in that fight. Don't even know if I'll watch the game. But if you can't talk stats or players' names, and you got to go with your significant other to the Super Bowl party tomorrow. Impress your friends with this. Be a nerd just like me. I'm kind of popular, so being a nerd works for me, okay? Uh, it's being played in Glendale, Arizona, and on real grass. And they have a nice new stadium, much like ours. Mercedes-Benz has a retractable roof and all of that stuff. Real grass, though. Tahoma 31 Bermuda grass, to be exact, is the grass that uh, Super Bowl... I can't do the letters... The Roman numerals, I don't know, 52 is being played. Uh, Winter hardy and durable grass developed at Oklahoma State University. Now, you know University of Georgia is very well known for different uh, varieties of Bermuda grass. Anything with TIFF in the name was developed on the Tifton campus. TIFF Tough, TIFF Way, TIFF Grand. Uh, so not to not to knock the local grasses because we love the research and work that's been done. But this one's cool from Oklahoma State University, Tahoma 31. Its extensive root system allows it to withstand those 300-pound athletes pounding it down for hours, a large stage that's going to be set up for the halftime show. And this is really fascinating. And I think uh, the head groundskeeper for the Atlanta Braves for years and years back to Turner Field, of course, at Truist Park, Ed Mangan, has a hand in this from Atlanta, was a part of this. It's taken years in the making. They grew this turf over the, the last few years in neighboring Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, a farm there, took care of the Bermuda, knowing it was going to be used for the Super Bowl. And it was rolled out in the stadium in, in Glendale, rolled out in 40-foot-long strips. So thanks to Legacy Turf Farms, our friends up in the Cartersville area, for some of that intel. They're certified to grow Tahoma 31 sod here in Georgia as well, and it's 
becoming quite popular, like I said, because of its durability, um, winter hardiness and all of that kind of thing. And of course, you know, your Bermuda and your warm season grasses are going to go dormant for the wintertime. And you may start to see some green up here soon with some of those. Um, and speaking of Bermuda, I, I've visited with a lot of friends recently. Yes, we talk about grasses and flowers and gardening. Shocking. That have Bermuda where they don't want it, right? Uh, because it spreads with rhizomes and stolons below ground and above ground. It can be really, really tough to take out of places you don't want it. A lot of you are nodding your head. Yes, yes, it's it's growing over into my fescue or my neighbor's fescue. Or maybe it's growing into a garden bed and I'm just all but giving up. So I had to reach out to Clint Waltz not too long ago, turfgrass specialist at the University of Georgia, who I'm going to be meeting up with on Tuesday to go to Legacy Turf Farms. As a matter of fact, field trip for us. Uh, to go visit with those guys, to learn a little bit and bring some of that knowledge back to you. Um, but I had to reach out to him to say, you know, what do people do with Bermuda grass that's just really, really tough and they can't get rid of it? Um, and he said, you know, one of the things that could actually keep it at bay a little bit is glyphosate, Roundup applications. Now, you got to be very careful with that, but it's it's more, the plant's more vulnerable, susceptible to it when it's used during green up. So that would be maybe April-ish, late March, early April, or in the fall when it's going dormant, when it's going from green to brown. When it's in that transition period, that's really going to be effective. Repeat applications are necessary, though. Um, Taking out what you can, you know, scraping that layer of soil, but you still can't get to all the rhizomes necessarily if you can kind of dig it out with a flat-bladed shovel, almost like puzzle pieces or whatever. Um, And also fusillade. He says, is a grass-specific herbicide. That's going to be maybe harder for us to find. Uh, landscape companies may have that more easily accessible, but fusillate a grass-specific herbicide that uh, can be you know, effective on killing Bermuda grass. But repeat applications, again, is going to take really staying after some of those to stay on top of it. But hey, impress your friends with the knowledge of what the grass, what the turf is uh, at the Super Bowl tomorrow. You're going to look at it not the same. Bringing it in 40-foot-long strips. It was rolled and then laid down. I think they probably laid it a week or two ago just to make sure it gets acclimated and is taken care of in the in the stadium. But that's fascinating. Um, okay, so later on today, I am going to be at the Marietta Square, the farmer's market at the Marietta Square. So glad that that's kicking back up. That means warmer weather's coming. That makes us all so excited. Uh, Marietta Tree Keeper is going to be giving away free trees. And that's so exciting. You don't have to be a Marietta resident to come. They're going to be out there until they're gone, maybe up till noon. Swamp, chestnut, oaks, red bud, red cedar, bald cypress, free literature also um, on selecting trees, caring for trees, maintaining them. I'll be out there to answer some of your questions or just have a good conversation with you. And also the city of Holly Springs is doing something similar next week as well for Georgia Arbor Day, which is next Friday. I'm proud of our folks in downtown Holly Springs as well with their Arbor Day event and tree giveaway as well. They're going to be giving away willow oak, crepe myrtle, dogwood, and redbud saplings. So that's fun too. And Trees Atlanta, my goodness, if you want to go to their website, treesatlanta.org, they're doing a whole week's worth of fun activities and things for you to get the uh, the kids involved in and all of that for Arbor Day, celebrating the entire week, treesatlanta.org, and find out events that you could participate in, uh, where the free tree giveaways are, and all of that kind of stuff. So much going on. So I also promoted to all of you um, an opportunity, a field trip of sorts. I I get to go on these field trips just because I want to, and I make myself do it with with people that I've met in the business and then bring that back to you as a show, usually when I'm out, when I actually want to take a Saturday off. 
uh, play back some of these interviews. One of my favorites recently was Rivermont Golf Club and Mark Hoban. Gosh, we had a great time out there in Johns Creek, and I look forward to going back and visiting with Mark uh, now that the golf course is going to be in different shape in the spring than it was in the fall. Um, but so bringing some of these field trip opportunities to you. So Christy Bryant of Speaking for the Trees, certified arborist, uh, knows a lot about tree health and works with different municipalities as far as, uh, you know, trees surviving construction sites and, and tree counts and all that kind of thing, taking tree inventories. She and I spoke back in November. I'll post this fun video of she and I. <laughs> we, d- we did a fun video here at the WSB Courtyard in November, knowing that we wanted to teach a class, say, in February or March, um, and offer it to all of you. She's really going to be leading the class. I'm just there to, to look good, I guess. <laughs> but um, So we finally found a venue. We, we uh, were going to do it at the WSB Courtyard. That's not going to work out, so ignore that part of the video. Um, but Tom Cox, owner of Cox Arboretum in Canton, has been kind enough to open up his 13-acre property for us to have the class there. It only makes sense for it to be an outdoor class, right? So Saturday, March 11th, we're going to be offering that for, for a nominal fee just to cover Christy and Tom's time, uh, some costs that are incurred there, and pizza. We're going to feed you. So 1030 on a Saturday, March 11th. So I'm going to head there right after the show in Canton. And you're going to get to learn about the basics of pruning and the art of pruning. Christy's going to go over things to do, things not to do. And to really boil it down, when you're properly pruning plants, think about these three things, the three T's of pruning, tools, timing, and technique. And she's certainly going to go over all of that. Tools you could kind of figure out. You know, you got to use the right tool for the right cuts, depending on the the girth or the width of a branch or stem or whatever you're cutting, and keeping those sharp so they don't damage the plant, keeping them disinfected, right, when you move from plant to plant so as not to carry disease over. But timing is what most everybody falters on, when, when to cut it. And Dr. Alan Armitage told me, too, he's like, man, people really overthink that. You know, a lot of times if you just cut it after it flowers, cut it after it flowers, that's going to be a safe bet, you know, just cut it after it flowers. And really the worst time to cut anything is in fall because when you cut something, it it hormonally tells the plant to rejuvenate new growth from that area that you just cut. And then that new tender growth can be susceptible to the cold weather. So we don't really want to prune a lot of things in the fall. You just want to let things go dormant in the wintertime, let them hang out. Um, and technique too. So Kevin on Facebook messaged me not too long ago, asked about filling in the sides of boxwoods and what technique is best for that. And I could almost guarantee without seeing a picture of of the shrubs Kevin was talking about, they've probably been sheared, right? And that is not a good technique for most of us. I know boxwoods are meant to be boxy and, you know, hedge-like in a certain form or whatever, but over time, shearing where they're just coming off with a chainsaw or hedge cutters and just cutting the tops over and over and over, Again, that induces new growth. So all that new growth is happening at the top of the shrub, but then there's no air or sunlight getting down to the middle and the bottom, and that's why you start to have these hollow spots, these branches from the inside of the plant that have no leaves, right? Because there's no sunlight getting down there because all the proliferous growth is up at the top of the shrub. So um, Christy will go over that too. Hedging stuff, shearing stuff, just probably not wise for most things. They want to grow into their own natural shape, right? So... March 11th, put that on the calendar, 10.30 to about noon up in Canton. Thank you to Tom Cox, my friend of Cox Arboretum. And we'll uh, do a little bit of work for him, too, while we're there, just to thank him. But message me on the Facebook page. Send me a private message. Go to Facebook and like or follow my page so you can get in touch with me. Just search Green and Growing WSB. 
and send me a private message. Say, I'm interested. I want details and I want your email address. That way I'm going to be able to email everybody that's interested. Uh, or you can email me too at my uh, WSB radio email address. That is on the Facebook page as well. If you are able to look that up and email me and say, yeah, I want details. I want to be kept informed of this field trip on March 11th. going to be a good time. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. You're listening to WSB. All right. The weekend weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. And you've heard Channel 2 meteorologist Brad Nitz kind of fill you in on when the rain, the timing is going to uh, occur. But later today, scattered showers, wind gusts maybe up to 30 miles an hour for some of us high of 52, low of 36. And then that morning rain continues, a wintry mix for some, especially up in the North Georgia mountains, a high of only 47. But then we have sunny skies to look forward to on Monday with a high of 60. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right. Uh, Well, number one, I'm going to change this up a little bit. Yeah, I prepared this ahead of time. I want you to go to the website, wsbradio.com backslash green and growing. And scroll down to the bottom and look at garden opportunities and events. I am keeping that thing up to date and something new every single day, different opportunities for you. Um, I mean, this month, for example, the Great Backyard Bird Count next weekend. You don't have to do a thing. You can do that from your house, from the park after your run. Uh, You can participate by yourself. No big deal. Georgia Arbor Day next Friday. A lot of events going on with that. Uh, The week after next is National Invasive Species Awareness Week. Wow, what does that mean? Well, I want to ask ask my friend Dr. David Coyle over at Clemson University because he knows about all the pests and all the things we should be uh, worried that are coming here. And then the American Camellia Society Convention, the American Camellia Society Convention happens right here in Georgia. And not to mention the annual Camellia Show from the North Georgia Camellia Group. Uh, the annual Camellia Show at the Atlanta Botanical Garden, Saturday and Sunday, February 18th and 19th. That's a great time. I mean, those flowers are judged. Those growers work so hard. That's really a good time. I went last year and shout out to my friends there because they really put on a wonderful show. And if you have questions about growing camellias, propagating camellias, any of that, Jim and John are your guys. They know everything about it. Uh, number two, you don't have to remove leaves. You don't have to rake them away or anything before laying new mulch or pine straw down. That's really good news for freshening up those garden beds. Do remove limbs, though. Cut away dead leaves. Expand the beds out. Maybe less grass and more bed and more flowers. That's going to be cool. And number three, bare spots or thinning in your fescue lawn. It is possible to seed fescue in February or March. You really have to stay on top of watering, though, because once those seedlings start to germinate, they need water and they don't do very well in the high temperatures of the summertime. So get them established now in February or March. And aerate first. That's always recommended to break up the soil. Better seed soil contact so you're not wasting your money and water that seed in. 404-872-0750. More on green and growing when we return. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Half an hour left to go. A lot of great calls at the beginning of the show talking about critters, talking about things that were damaged from the December freeze. And we'll keep talking about that. It's still going to take a couple of months 
for us to really know what's what and evaluate what may have died and whatnot. Um, good morning to Jim on Twitter, who just followed me, and Susie and Nancy and Meredith just coming on Facebook, and George and Roberta as well. Thanks for liking or following the Green and Growing Facebook page. Lots of fun, good information there on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, if you're not, I know you're rolling your eyes. I'm really sorry. But if you are, <laughs> search Green and Growing WSB. I share a lot of things. Uh, where I'll be later today on the Marietta Square uh, information for a field trip. Christy Bryant and I made a great video our last time together back in November about this upcoming field trip, March 11th. If you want to learn about pruning, she's going to be leading that class. And it's an opportunity for you and us to get to hang out, learn a little bit. Um, and also, toward the end of the month, I'm really grateful to have Premier Tree Solutions back on the show. Last Saturday in February, chopmytree.com. Raphael and Jeff will be back. And uh, the reason the timing is that way, I had Terry reach out to me on the Facebook page and say, Hey, a couple months back, you had a guest and they were talking about sweet gumballs, right? Or oaks dropping acorns. And how you can actually make the tree do less of that, which is crazy, I know, because biologically that's what it wants to do is reproduce. Well, there is a way. There's injectables that certified arborists use. Uh, the timing has to be just right on trees to make them produce less sweet gumballs and less acorns. Uh, I have no idea of the cost or the rigor or whatever involved, but you get in touch with a certified arborist like Rafael Santiago at Premier Tree Solutions, and they can do that for you. They can come to your house, use this injectable in a tree. is pretty cool. And so the timing on that's coming up. So I advise Terry to go ahead and get in touch with them at chopmytree.com. Get on the calendar, at least, because I know I think there's just one week in March that Rafael has to do all those trees and hit them just right, you know, for that... Uh, to stop that biological process. So that's pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, lots of great guests on the show. And for Inv uh, National Invasive Species Awareness Week, want to talk to Dr. David Coyle at Clemson University, the, oh, spotted lanternfly, uh, emerald ash borer. I mean, there's all these pests that are being introduced into the country in the last few years or at least within the last decade and always having to stay on top of those pretty scary things. Uh, the Eastern European Hornet, though, that is not a problem here. I know social media went crazy with that back in 2020, um, that it's deadly and all that kind of stuff. So he'll set us straight on what we need to look out for, what we need to be vigilant about. Uh, some things can just be voracious and destroy natural native habitat, and we don't want that to happen. So we have to be citizen scientists, partake in that, look out for insects that uh, aren't quite where they're supposed to be. They look kind of funny. And also be good stewards of the environment. Participate in the Great Backyard Bird Count. You can do both. You can draw birds to your landscape and be a good citizen scientist, and that's fun. Uh, Bradley on Facebook said, I'm going to do that this year. I hear you talk about that every year. 15 minutes. If you don't like people... Would you like birds? 15 minutes solo is all you got to do. Sit there and count birds. Pretty neat. Um, and I did just share on the Facebook page, by the way, this morning, scroll down, three free ways to participate in the ba Great Backyard Bird Count next week. Free. That's that's it. They want you to do it, so they're not charging you for the app. You can use one of two apps, Merle and Bird ID, which is great if you don't know the birds that you're looking at, or if you pretty much have a good handle on the birds that you see and just can count them knowing what they are. The eBird mobile app is probably going to be a little bit better for you to use. Or if you don't have a smartphone, you don't want to download an app, that's fine. You can visit ebird.org on your computer or laptop and sit there and run your account that way and tally the birds that you see. So go ahead and get set with a bird identification book, maybe, if you're not going to have that app. Some binoculars, a bird seed, a feeder, put all that stuff out now. Get those birds ready to start visiting the feeders next week and, and participate in the count, which is next Friday through Sunday, I believe, the 19th, maybe even the 20th. 
404-872-0750. Back out to the phones we go. Douglas County, and it's Travis. Good morning, Travis. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I got two, I've got two beautiful tea olive trees in my backyard. They're 20-something years old, very large. And they were damaged during the December freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've lost all their leaves. They've got a little bit of greenery on top. Is there any chance they're going to come back, or do I need to cut them down? I think there is a very good chance they're going to come back. And that was one of the most noticeable plants that people really took heed with that freeze. They're like, ah, my tea olive, because it's an evergreen, right? It's not supposed to lose its leaves like a magnolia, like a holly. And to see it bare was a little jarring, right? Yes, very. Yeah. So I think, uh, in my opinion, and a lot of the gardeners that I've spoken to and the professionals in the industry, um, yes, it was cold. It was a sustained cold, but that's going to be just fine, especially if they were established. It wasn't long enough to kill the root system. So even though everything above ground appeared to die back, it just out of stress, the mechanism for it to cope was to drop its leaves. But all of that tissue is still viable. All of the branches that are there are still good. So give it a couple of months, wait for that new spring growth to emerge. And when you do, and, and actually some landscapers have sent me photos in the last week or so, eight or nine days, of a close-up of tea olives that they've been working on, and there's new growth. So if you look carefully, Travis, now or maybe in another week, you may see new growth, and that's fine. So just let you know nature take its course. Once new spring growth starts to come on and you kind of see what the new growth is going to be, you can cut out the stuff that looks like maybe it did die and it's not, you know, showing any signs of new growth. But overall, the health of the plant, I think, is going to be fine. That's great news. Yep. Uh, it's got a little tip a little tip of greenery right on top. That's, not, that's the only leaves it's got. Good. So, okay, that's uh, a start. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, the, I've tested the, the, the limbs, and they seem viable. They're, they're, they're limber. They're not stiff or anything. So, okay, well, that's great news. And uh, uh I'm glad they're going to make it. Me Appreciate too. Appreciate the information. Yeah, thank you so much for the call, Travis. I mean, I really, every week or so, I get a phone call or uh, photos emailed to me or comments on the Facebook page about tea olives. That was really the most striking. But, of course, a lot of other stuff was affected. Laura Pedlum, the Chinese fringe, those purple shrubs, um, even something as tough as ligustrum. I mean, I have ligustrum in my yard, and that's what... Uh, I think the builder planted around the cable boxes 20 years ago just because it's so tough. That's browned. Chinese fringe, lower pedlum is brown. Some boxwoods really took it hard. Um, so it really just depended on their location in the landscape. My tea olive is closer to the house, and it's between the front of the house and an oak tree. So I think mine was shielded a little bit, and it didn't drop leaves. It dropped some. But it didn't defoliate completely, so I was kind of a rare case, I guess. But the reason why, you know, we've had a Rick Smith, a pruning guru on and others, the reason why we're advising you to not cut anything yet is because we want to see that new growth, right? We want to see that new growth, where it's going to come in. And some of the dead parts of that plant, like for me, the example of the Chinese fringe, the lower pedlum, the dead leaves and the dead branches, actually staying on the tree are going to help insulate, or the shrub, are going to help insulate other parts of it to protect itself in case we do get another freeze or a wind event or something like that. So not cutting any of that away just yet and waiting. Plus, if you prune now, you know, the the plants are trying to come out of dormancy. Some of them anyways are trying to come out of dormancy. And if you prune now, that's just sending the wrong signals to accelerate that new growth sooner than it's ready to. 
And so when that new growth emerges, that's fine. That's good, you'd think. But then one more cold, one more freeze event between now and, say, mid-April, that's as late as it could possibly happen. We've had one as late as April 22nd uh, in recent memory in Metro Atlanta. So we don't want the chance of that getting uh, nipped you know, with with another chance of freeze. So just be mindful of that. No pruning now. No pruning really for another month or two. And I promise I'll tell all of you uh, when you can do that as well. 404-872-0750. Hey, David from Tucker. Good morning. Morning. I had a couple of quick uh, little animal stories here. Oh, yeah. Critter Uh, stories. Love it. Yeah. The the trees in my front yard um, have had... uh, resident owls and possums for as long as I've been here. Mm-hmm. And um, on the phone, uh, and uh, I was... Um, what kind of owls you got, David? Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, uh, but um, anyway, the, uh, I was airing out the house a couple of times, and uh, possums walked in the front door. Oh, no. Oh, which that's was kind of different. Yeah. Yeah, I had someone cleaning up things, and I came back, and I said, uh, Possum came in the front door, went down the hall, went in the <laughs> open door over there, and, of course, that would be my bedroom. But uh, we managed to, you know, get them out safely, no damage done to to people or uh, marsupials. And But I just I was surprised that one would walk in in the middle of the day. Yeah. Uh, that was a little shocking. That is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they just do their thing, and we do our thing, and we generally don't get in each other's way, and everything seems to work out just fine. I agree. I agree. The, the more we can leave them alone, the better. And if you can take measures to keep them out of your house, you know, by sealing up spots that they've chewed in, maybe if you have cedar siding, I know that can be a nightmare. Squirrels can enter it. Woodpeckers do all kinds of damage and all that kind of thing. But sealing up holes as you find them, making sure a chimney company comes at least once a year or maybe once every other year to inspect the chimney, A, not only for safety if you're building fires in your home, but also to get all the birds and rodents out so they're not living there, just reproducing over and over and over again. Owls love those. They seem to just stay up in the trees and they're more spooked by us. What kind do you have? Probably the barred owl? I'm pretty sure that's that's the case. Although we've gotten some uh, uh, larger owls and uh, hawks seem to be taking up a lot of time here. And my uh, friend of mine swears she saw an adolescent eagle uh, last summer. Huh. Wow, that could be. I saw, I forget what school it is. You know, a lot of different uh, universities around the country have like bird cams. You know, if they have like an eagle nesting on their campus. Uh, mm-hmm. Berry College. Had something. Maybe that was Eagles, too. Yeah, that was Eagles. Was it? Okay, yeah. But I think this one was in Florida, and I saw, like, the mom's been gone. Yeah, it was St. Petersburg, I think. The mom, the eagle, she has not returned to the nest, and there's little babies up in the nest, and so the dad's been, like, stepping in to take care of them. So when you can find, like, you know, cameras on osprey nests or eagles' nests and kind of watch that in real time, that's really cool to see. Yeah, that's, uh, and you know, those eagles' nests over the years can get really big. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Well, and I'm thinking, you know, with a barred owl, people know those in the woods when they hear them starting at dusk or so and mating season's coming on. So they're talking a little bit more. The chatter's a little bit more. The barred owl, the sound, the hoot that it makes kind of sounds like who cooks for you. If you say the sentence, sentence, who cooks for you is kind of the little rhythm that they they hoot. And then I was telling a caller earlier, blue jays, them and mockingbirds have a very distinct kind of screech 
you know, chirp, whatever, where you can kind of tell one's nearby, even if you don't see it. Shoot, the red-shouldered hawk, too. You're absolutely right. We had a uh, screech owl that uh, couldn't be returned to the wild up in uh, my hometown, neck of the woods, uh, in northwest Tennessee, and uh, the refuge there. And I got to uh, to touch it and everything, and that that creature was so incredibly soft. Aren't it was they amazing. Little too, little screech owls, tiny, aren't they? Generally, um, well, I wouldn't say tiny, well, but yeah. I would say smaller, bigger than a songbird. Yeah, yeah, smaller than a barred owl. Though that's so cool. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, you've kind of inspired me to share uh, a couple of different things. I want to share some of the websites that you can do different bird cameras, live bird cameras that the university's put on. I know there's at least three or four that I've been made aware of. Um, And the sounds, too. This Merlin Bird ID app, I'm telling you, M-E-R-L-I-N, Merlin Bird ID app, free to download on your smartphone. You can see the birds by identification. There's actually um, a feature in that app where you can hold the phone up and record in your backyard. And if it can pick up the sound of a bird chirping in your yard, and your phone quality is good enough, then you bring the phone back to your face, and it'll more than likely tell you that was a cardinal that you heard or that was a chickadee that you heard. So, so cool. There's a lot I want to do about birds. That's pretty much going to be the whole show uh, next Saturday in honor of the great backyard bird count. So thanks, David. Always good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Uh, We'll be right back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. Stay tuned a little bit longer. You're listening to WSB. You know, that's no lie. I live it every weekday morning. Atlanta's morning news, triple team traffic every six minutes. Yeah. Every Monday morning with Alex Williams and Mark McKay, we have such a good time getting you around Metro Atlanta. It seems mornings are a little more time than uh, afternoons here lately. My goodness. Then I'll be back on the air tomorrow, too, hosting the weekly checkup. Uh, If you're driving around on a Sunday afternoon and listening from 3 to 5, you think, gosh, she never goes home. And you're right. I don't. Uh, 404-872-0750. I'm giving you the number for Dave Baker because I don't have any more time for calls. But I do have time to give you the update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Those showers are going to move in later today, 40% chance. Most of us are going to see some kind of precipitation today with a high of 52. And tomorrow, still morning rain and a wintry mix, a high of only 47. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, if you want to get out there before the rain starts, number one, pull out the leaf litter from the center of low shrubs and perennials, Rosa Sharon maybe, hydrangeas. That's just going to rot the plant and lead to bugs as well. Number two, if there are bare spots or thinning on your fescue lawn, uh, turf grass specialist Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia and I agree. Seed in February or March, you got to stay on top of watering it, though, because fescue does not like when it gets really hot in the summertime and those seedlings, that grass seed and and the little stems aren't very strong yet. Aeration is recommended too to break up the soil, make sure you get good seed to soil contact. And uh, number three, I spent years removing leaves and raking them out of garden beds before I put mulch, before I put pine straw. What a waste of time. Those are actually really good for the soil once they break down. Put the new mulch or pine straw on top of the leaves. It's okay. And freshen up the garden beds now. Also remove limbs or cut away dead leaves and anything from the plants that you've got. Uh, More information on the Facebook page coming up later today about the special field trip and the pruning class that I'm hosting with Christy Bryant and Tom Cox, owner of Cox Arboretum. Christy, of course, has been on the show a number of times as well. Owner of Speaking for the Trees. We're going to have a good time there and talk about the great backyard bird count next weekend. Can't wait. Lots of good info uh, when you search Facebook for Green and Growing WSB and also the website wsbradio.com backslash green and growing. 
That takes you to, of course, the radio station's website, my portion of it, where you can listen back to the show as a podcast, keep up with the garden opportunities and events and classes and things around town, and just my articles and blogs that I've written, especially about that December freeze and what to do with your plants now. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.